0: This is Teaching Otherwise, a podcast exploring teaching and psychology. This episode kicks off a series related to a symposium we will be chairing at the APA Convention this summer, which explores the pedagogical value of presenting psychological knowledge in the social and historical context in which it was produced. The symposium was inspired by our previous episode with Donna Tafresci, who will be on the panel, and the upcoming episodes will feature each of the other presenters. Today's episode is a conversation with Joe Austinson about an assignment he is developing for Class on the psychology of marriage.
1: So, in my course on psychology and marriage, we spend a good bit of time discussing the history of marriage and the socio cultural context as it has developed, as marriage has developed into its current individualistic incarnation. I do this in part to help the students understand that marriage has not always borne the psychological meaning that it has for us today. Um, For example, it's only in the last 200 years that romantic love has been an essential foundation for a good marriage, and only in the last 100 years that satisfaction has determined its worth. Unfortunately, as we also discuss, psychological inquiry into what makes a good marriage tends to ignore this broader context. Instead, psychologists employ primarily empirical methods to understand marriages, without acknowledging that what we can observe empirically is but a moment in the long history of marriages, good and bad. A history that still lingers in our psychic memory, even if it doesn't show up empirically. Today, I was hoping to discuss a class assignment I'm developing. um, and, And what I'm hoping to accomplish with this assignment is to help students better understand the limits of empiricism in uncovering the value that history and context can give to an understanding of what makes a good marriage. So I have a couple of ideas that um, I've come up with and I'm gonna present them both to you and then just um, hope that we can have kind of a conversation uh, about either or both of them and and see how um, this develops. So, The first idea I've got is I've thought about uh, challenging the students to operationalize the good marriage during a a selected historical time period. So they're looking at marriage in different historical time periods and, and their challenge would be to look at, to pick a time period and say, okay, how would a marriage therapist conceptualize a good marriage if he or she was going to do therapy with a couple during that time period? and what are the characteristics of that, and, and um, how would he measure if he had been successful? Um, and then the second one I've thought about um, is to take uh, a, a current instrument used to measure uh, good marriages, uh, like the, the, the Locke-Wallace marital adjustment test that's very popular, the dyadic adjustment scale, and um, imagine I guess giving that instrument to a couple in a different historical time period and what um, what that might look like, how that might play out for them. So those are the two assignments
2: that I'm thinking of, and kind of like the learning objective for this work. I don't know if you, I don't know if that's the best word to use anyway, but like the purpose, what you're hoping students to accomplish here is. Is kind of a greater awareness of that, uh, of the way that, uh, you know, in, in, an empirical approach to any topic, but in this case, marriage can kind of create the sort of looping effects. Um, you didn't emphasize that, I guess, in your introduction, but is that something that's important for what you want the students to get out of this?
1: Yeah, I guess, I guess, um, yes. Yeah, I think, I think that that we, we spend time in the class talking about, during these different historical periods, how it is that marriage is, is sort of being defined by the culture. And so in some respects, I'm hoping for them to see that contrast. Um, for example, with that second assignment that I mentioned, you've got um, the Kansas marital satisfaction scale, which is three questions. And it just asks, are you satisfied with your marriage? And are you satisfied with your spouse? And then there's a third question. I can't remember what it is, but it's all about marital satisfaction, right? And and what would happen if you gave that, let's say, to a member of royalty during the the Middle Ages that had been married to uh, another member of royalty in another kingdom, for example, right? How would they read that instrument? What would that mean for them? And how does that change the interpretation of the instrument itself? Is it going to be useful, right? That sort of thing.
2: So I guess I guess like a a, this is maybe a larger question that I have is I guess I could say that there are like two different kinds of lessons here that that are seem pretty salient in this analysis. One of them is that it's just the basic fact that how we understand marriage changes and that that's something that psychology tends to you know not acknowledge or pay attention to like that's one issue. Then there's this other issue which is because psychologists approach the issue of marriage in this kind of like seemingly purely descriptive way, they're just trying to like, um, you know, find out what makes good marriages and then try to make good marriages. Like that that creates a looping effect where where we get kind of like solidified into one particular way of seeing marriage and, and not acknowledging that that way could change. And so then we sort of like get in a way psychologists contribute to sort of trapping us in one particular way of thinking about marriage. So I think those are like two different things, maybe at least in my mind, they seem like two different kind of issues. And I guess what I'm wondering is, are they both important for your students to learn in this class?
1: Yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, as you're talking, what I'm discovering is I'm having, I've always had a hard time um, yeah, the evolution of this class, I guess, over the years that I've been teaching it, um, I think has been in a positive direction in terms of helping students see both of those issues. But I, but I struggle to articulate why it's important for them to understand that marriage has been seen differently. So maybe that's one of the things I'm I'm struggling with now. And maybe the issue of of the, the looping effect that you're talking about is less important to me. Um, but it still seems like another way of helping them understand um, why in a psychology class we're studying sociology and history.
0: I, I guess one thing that, I, that I'm wondering here is, you know, the way that you've talked about the assignment, it's more like it's targeting psychologists in terms of what they're doing related to marriage, but your students themselves are making culturally and historically bound assumptions about marriage that likely aren't that diverse and that likely line up a lot with the psychologists that you're talking about, how they study marriage. I could be wrong there, so feel free to correct me. But but how much of this is about raising their own consciousness about what they might take for granted and recognizing other possibilities for how under how marriage might be understood valued make sense or, and how much of it is really about making them critical of psychological study of marriage
1: well oh, that's a that's a good question because i the The first one is what has been the uh, the objective of this course from the very beginning. I want to help them be aware of the way that they understand marriage, um, the way that culture has influenced their understanding of marriage. Um, And and that really underlies the entire curriculum in that class. But um, what I've noticed is that psychology and the family sciences probably to a larger degree Um, But but I would say what the two have in common, what psychology and the family sciences have in common is that they are are giving us this language with which to talk about marriage that creates the kind of a a different kind of looping effect. But 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 a kind of looping effect, I think, in the culture where um, they're investigating good marriages, but they they enter it with um, with limited methodologies, maybe and also cultural assumptions they're not aware of. And so they investigate marriage and they discover that, okay, this is what makes a good marriage. It's a marriage that you're, that you're satisfied with or a marriage that makes you happy. That's very simplistic, but that's just to give you an idea, right? And then they start writing books about this and those books make it into popular culture. And pretty soon that's the language we're talking about marriage in, right? And so, so on the one hand, yeah, I want to make the students aware of the possibility that marriage offers them. And, and presenting the history and, and kind of the sociocultural context opens, opens up, I think, that awareness for them to be able to see that, that um, thinking about marriage individualistically isn't the only way to think about it. Um, but, but I also feel like, and I, and I said this when I was introducing this, right, like the history still remains in our psychic memory. And so we're still able to speak About marriage and or we're still able, I'm sorry, not to speak, but to think about marriage in ways that aren't individualistic. But we don't have um a language that's that's necessarily developed. Let me give you an example. It's a little bit of a tangent, but but um when we talk about marriage, we're still able to talk about marriage as something that is till death do us part, right? And that has to do with a um a relational commitment or a commitment to the relationship that that isn't very individualistic, right? And my students, most of my students say, well, this is the kind of marriage that I want, the the kind of marriage that lasts until I die, right? But but when they get into a situation where marriage becomes unsatisfying, where they're very unhappy, or where they're even um, experiencing a lot of anxiety in the context of their, their relationship, well, then there's a conversation that happens about what should I do now? Right. So they hold this ideal in their mind. I should commit to this person until death, which might mean that we have to put some work into this. We have to maybe go to marriage therapy. Um, Maybe we have to work towards forgiving each other, that sort of thing. Um, But then you've got friends that are talking to you about this. And the friends have a very individualistic language. And that's where the conversation resides. And so it, it no longer makes sense for people to stay in the marriage. You know, and so you're struggling with this I- this ideal of till death do us part. Um, but the only language you really have to hang on to when talking about whether you should stay in this marriage or not is are you happy, are you satisfied? And so it makes it easier to 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 slip into that. And I, I don't necessarily blame the social sciences for this, but this is the language of the social sciences. And, and so part of me so at the conclusion of that big tangent, I guess what I want to say is I I feel a little bit like if I come into the classroom and say, hey, let's talk about the limitations of empiricism and, and, and make a criticism of psychology and psychologists when it comes to investigating marriage, then that might help them understand a little better where this language comes from.
2: Yeah, I think that that helps actually, because I think we can see the bigger arc of the class, right? Like that it's, you're trying in the bigger arc of the class, one of the main objectives is this, this larger objective to see more possibilities, think more critically about marriage as a historical cultural object, right? as having more possibilities than just whichever one they happen to have been socialized to. But then a, a part and maybe even an important part of that overall objective is helping them see the way that social science can contribute to a, cert, to a certain degree. To having a you know a limited set of possibilities when they think about marriage. Um, so it's like, so you so really this assignment's doing both of those things, right? Like it's contributing to the larger course objective of, like Brady said, kind of consciousness raising and awareness about what marriage is and, and what some of the possibilities are for thinking about it. But it's also contributing to this smaller objective that, that is central to that larger one, which is is highlighting how the social sciences contribute to some of the problems that you're identifying.
1: Yeah, and it, it might help to add too that, that um, and I've implied this, that students really, they some of them come into that class and they're like, why aren't we talking about psychology? Where's the research, you know? And I do have some of that, but I don't have a lot of it. Um, mostly because it it, it seems so straightforward in the bigger context of things like there's there's one psychologist who's most well known it's john gottman and he's basically i mean he's got a book on a mathematical formula that can help you um calculate the the degree of of well-being that your relationship enjoys I mean, i'm overstating it a little bit but it does it's got like all these these complex mathematical equations in it. And um, it ultimately comes down to positive affect. And so, you
2: know. Yeah, that, I mean, so that creates, so that's an example of ways that we foreshorten our vocabulary, right? By, right. by focusing in on, you know, just what can be kind of empirically uh, assessed. Well, so in, in, from like an instructional design point of view, you've got to figure out how to shape these assignments so that they can bring students, it's, you know, as far along this kind of pathway that you're wanting to lead them down as far along as you can.
1: Yeah, so maybe we could just focus on one, if that's okay. Because I'm, I I really like them both. And I think I presented them both because I'd like to try them both out. But this one on, on operationalizing marriage. Um, I think it might be kind of tricky, but so just to remind you, um, I've I've thought about asking them to to select a time period and and explore ways that you would measure the good marriage based on how marriage was sort of lived out and defined during that time period.
2: I think that activity has a lot of flexibility to it. So like, you know, the core activity of trying to, you know, like develop an instrument for or some some kind of, you know, operational definition for marriage. I think that's a really flexible activity because you could do it by time, but you could also do it by like context or region, like a, but if you lived in a different part of the world or maybe you're, you know, think about doing it for if you're, you know, 19 versus 50 like so i think there's a lot of flexibility in that activity because you could you could use it in lots of ways to inspire critical thinking about you know d- different ways of thinking about marriage
0: what how are you giving them access to these concepts of marriage in these historical periods like is it just an overall summary like i'm i'm thinking of Every abnormal psychology textbook I've taught from has like this chapter about the history of mental illness. And you get almost what I would call a caricature of a historical period. It doesn't feel all that deeply contextually embedded. Um, and I, I, I don't know that you need to do better than that for an assignment like this, but it does seem like you could run the risk of Well, the professor said that in the middle ages in europe these were the major values about marriage um yeah go ahead
1: i appreciate you bringing that up because um as josh was talking i was thinking about the text that we use i actually use um it's a it's a text that's written for a popular audience Um, But it spends, uh, it spends a chapter on different time periods. And by the time it gets to the Middle Ages, it spends two chapters, one on kind of the upper 5% because marriage was, was basically a political strategy at that point. And then it does the other 95% in a separate chapter. And, and it's really, I mean, it's, there's not really a lot of narrative to it. It's, I mean, there is, I shouldn't say a lot because there is, she's a historian but she really has just cited a bunch of historical examples to kind of give it a, a picture of what this looks like and the different ways that it plays out. I, I could see that text, I, I feel like that text, text is a little richer than what you're describing.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it.
1: Nevertheless, it, it, it does get me thinking that, I'm, that I might, you know, she, she's got all the citations in the back of the book. I almost feel like it would be easy for me to to expand this assignment and say, once you've chosen a time period, choose an example and then do some more um, research on either that the original source citing there or sources surrounding that particular situation or something. So
2: Um, remind me again what the product is, is it um, like what's the thing they are producing when the assignment is done?
1: That's a great question. I haven't really thought about, I mean, it, it would be a written assignment. I, I do primarily, well, actually exclusively written assignments in this class. Um, it, it is something I could do as a test question. And if I did it as a test question, I could just have them use the text, because my, my, my tests in that class are open, open book. And so that would be something that would be easy, um, a little more superficial, I think, because um, it would be timed, you know, um, and so I wouldn't need them to, to find something more profound than what's in the textbook. But I could also make it one of their paper assignments I have three paper assignments in there. So this could be one of their paper assignments um, halfway through the class too.
2: I think I was sort of halfway imagining you have having them like actually produce at least part of a self report instrument or something. You know, like what, what, what are the questions that you would ask? You know, and how would you scale them or whatever? That, that might be too you know over unnecessarily complicating things, but I could see that being a very interesting way of thinking about these issues
0: yeah but it would beg the question of how much you care about their understanding of measurement and operationalization <laughs> and um, you know whether you want them to experience kind of a breakdown behind all of the values that are embedded in that activity in the ways they might clash with some of these periods, or, or whether this is just a vehicle to um, highlight the fact that value systems are going to be assumed when we, when we make these instruments. Let's try a different value system.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is an aside in some respects, but this assignment is starting to feel like it can do a whole lot of things. And, and it raises, for me, the question of, of how to focus their attention on the thing I really want it to do. Um, because I don't, I don't really want to have conversations about method and, and measurement and things like that. Uh, but I wouldn't mind if, if they had that experience. The thing is, is, I don't think they're going to have that experience unless I say something about it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, and in your summary, you emphasized empiricism. Um, But I've heard you talk a lot more about individualism since then. Um, And I mean, clearly those aren't mutually exclusive. But is one of those more important to you than the other in what you want to highlight? Uh,
1: Well, that's a, you know, individualism is something we talk about for the entire class because we actually start, I mean, we don't start with the history. We start with "This this is the way that sociologists... Characterized marriage today, right? And that's individualistic. Let's see how that developed, right? Um, and so that's when we that that's when we get into the history. So individualism is an idea they're familiar with, and they also understand that that's um, what characterizes marriage. And then they learn through the history that that's not always what has characterized marriage. Right. And here are some of the other things that have characterized marriage. And so that's that's kind of the evolution then of the first part of the course. So at the point we're doing this assignment, then, and I actually haven't thought through this yet, but but we get back to contemporary times, and I can talk about social scientists now investigating and trying to address address problems in marriage, but they're thinking about marriage from this individualistic way and using these, these instruments, for example. To, to measure um, the good marriage
2: uh, yeah. I mean I, c- I can see how I-, I mean if they already have like this context for the course right so they're getting that from the beginning and the, and this this probably is coming I don't know middle or later in the semester right this is not an assignment that would be early right. so they, they're already gonna have a lot of background available it, it you know it seems to me that like the a lot could be gained from the process of having to think about th- think think of themselves as a social scientist. Like, h- how would I try, How would I go about understanding marriage if I were in different contexts? Uh, and and because you will have already talked a bit about the the way that the historical context has shaped what social scientists are, are doing now, and so I think that gives them a nice point of reference. But that really, really to drive that lesson home, having them try to take on that role and think through how they would go about assessing marriage or or what what makes a good marriage. I think there's a lot that could be accomplished that way. You know, even if the task were just, you know, your, your job is to, however you want, um, assess the success of a marriage in the medieval period. And so, yeah, that could be just through asking them questions or maybe using other kinds of sociological methods, however, you want to just try and assess how good someone's marriage is.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like that could you could highlight perhaps both what problems are most likely to look like, like what are what are some of the things that we'd see in this period that would look like a marriage gone wrong, as well as what. Does what does that, that good marriage look like? You know, catching both poles of the moral value system, right? And also, how do you
2: tell? Which also brings in the kind of social science part right. of things. Yeah,
0: right?
2: yeah, I could see how this assignment could do a lot of uh, intellectual lifting here. Because, like Brady says, you get you get like norms, you values, you get cultural context, you get, me- you know, measurement. You know,
1: So, um, let me ask a side question here. I mean, as I'm thinking about this more, it feels like it could be a lot more, it could have a bigger impact if they were having these conversations in groups. feels like it's starting to feel like a group assignment to me, something that they talk out with other people.
2: Yeah, I could see that working pretty well. I mean, it, as always, it depends on the group, right? And on the students, but I could see that working pretty well.
1: Or, or it even feels like it could be because now I'm starting to, to visualize spending two weeks on these assignments. It almost as like a capstone to the course where where we or, or even a pre-capstone. The capstone is where we actually talk about psychology. Um, but, but before we do that, let's, let's try and pretend like we're psych... Well, I don't know, but I don't want to get caught up in that. But, but almost a capstone assignment where, where we have to, to bring these ideas, these different time periods to class and wrestle with them together so, so that it's, it's, um, they spend more time thinking about
2: it. I mean with the complex you know it, concept like this that you're trying to to um, convey, it seems like uh, some scaffolding like doing this in parts could be really valuable, so it could be like you spend some time with different eras or it could be like you know let's spend some time thinking about how they would wh- how what their answer would be to what makes a bad marriage and some time thinking about what they would say makes a good marriage and some time thinking about. How how do we actually, how can we tell? How can we assess, you know, a a marriage, you know, in this time period rather? So you could like maybe spend some time on each of the little tasks and operationalize those in,
0: in, in different ways as part of a larger assignment. I'm not sure about the suggestion I'm about to make, but it does seem like if you really wanted to bring further contrast in, you could also have them approach it from a few other roles than a therapist or a psychological researcher. You know, what about like uh, a poet? Or, um, you know, what would a love song celebrate (laughs) or mourn during this period? Even just to see like what, 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 what are our modes of expression and understanding surrounding these relationships Um, and that even I I hadn't even considered whether there might be some that have become lost to us that were there in earlier eras or that that maybe we've relegated more to um, antiquated forms that we don't use anymore for talking about marriage.
1: You know, what's interesting um, about what you say there, Brady, especially about love poems, is um, love, love poetry is the sort of thing that, at least in Western civilization, we have um, a pretty substantial record of going back to the, the, the 12th and 13th century. And then, of course, there's a lot of love poetry um, in, in uh, the Eastern tradition, too, that goes back even farther. Um, but, but none of it is marriage stuff. Hmm. until you get to the last 200 years basically because it's it's like separated and so it's interesting that and 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 i'm not like trying to put you on the spot here but but that's what my students think they imagine that love and marriage are just like the same thing until they realize that that even 400 years ago they just weren't Um, yeah
0: well so even that's kind of interesting though like why would this make such a bad poem like if we were actually talking about marriage, um, you know, what if what if Dante was talking about his wife instead of Beatrice? Um it, what what would that what would that be like? Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I I had thought um you got me, I really want to talk about Dante now, but um I had thought it would be interesting and and I'm not gonna do this, but that interesting to have them just choose like some kind of uh, novel or story about marriage from a different historical time period. And that would give them a richer account of what marriage looked like uh, to help them with this assignment, but I don't don't know. This actually has me thinking about structuring the entire course differently though. Um, Josh, what you were saying earlier about the scaffolding, it, it just seems like I could spend, you know, the first couple of weeks talking about the state of marriage today and then I can give them examples of, of ways that we determine bad marriages, ways that we determine good marriages and and um, why we think this is the case and then and then that sets them up for this assignment at different um, times during the course
2: um, yeah I could see. I mean, since since your larger objectives are really connected to this particular like what you're doing with this particular assignment, I I could see I I could see lots of ways of building this assignment in, not necessarily in the sense that they're doing the assignment the whole semester, but that you're you're preparing them for elements of it at, you know, from very early on in the semester.
0: Especially because it seems like there's at least two levers, you can be pulling here where one is about the encounter with some otherness, the things that they might not have thought of or considered about other ways of experiencing and valuing marriage. But then there's also maybe building some empathy whether or not it's asked for, for the social scientists who have a much bigger and challenging task than maybe they even realized if they recognize marriage as something that's not merely what we see in the small window of our present cultural and historical context. That that this is a really challenging thing to make sense of.
1: Well, this is all very unsatisfying to me because I feel like we need to have like another hour and a half talking about.
2: It's true. This is, a, this is basically like an advertisement for how cool this course could be and how, you know, I, I, would like to, I would like to somehow use this assignment that we've just been talking about in my classes, but I have no way to do it.
0: Thanks for joining us. We hope to catch you again soon on another episode of Teaching Otherwise.